very refreshing week uh, for myself, my wife. I speak for the both of us. Um, in this time of fasting and prayer, I've had um, a lot of things that God began to reveal uh, and show me. Uh, and I told the church last Sunday night, if there's one regret I had in 2021, I think it is the regret that I, fast, I didn't fast enough. Uh, because killing your flesh allows you to have an encounter with God. Crucifying the desires of your flesh, crucifying uh, the things that your flesh yearns and desires so strongly for, uh, uh, enables you, uh, gives you the access into the presence of God. And I tell you, when you get into that presence, it is like nothing you've ever encountered or you can experience and so this week, there are two things that I very specifically prayed for personally. Number one, I prayed God, I prayed for strength. I said, God, you must give me strength. My wife, my children, in ministry, in day-to-day -day life, God, you have to give us strength. But the second thing, and I will, you know, we have the prayer list uh, uh, that, that uh, Isaac, I want you to just put up. Um, the second thing that God began to, I, I began to ask God to do this week is I said, God, I want you to give me clarity. Clarity. Um, and, and so the point is, if you look at this list of needs that we've laid down and we've been praying through the week, uh, number one is the needs that are listed down. You wrote, you took a piece, remember a few weeks ago, you wrote a piece. Of, so we've been praying that God will meet those needs, a miracle for the impossible to be made possible. And secondly was clarity and direction. Third is raise up prayer warriors who will wage warfare against false doctrine, immorality and rebellion. I preached on that last Sunday. Fourth, uh, fourth of all, our healing upon our land, revival. But fifth is the provision and the equipping, spiritual gifts. And sixth is sickness and addictions people are bound in. And as I was praying the other day, I felt that I should preach a list through this list uh, uh, and challenge you. I've preached on the first, obviously the impossible becoming possible. I preached on the third which is the false doctrine in morality and rebellion. And so today I'm going to preach on clarity. It actually didn't go in that direction when I, when I pondered this sermon, but I felt God deal with me to touch on the subject of clarity and to preach in that direction. And then over the next couple of weeks, next week Pastor Ellen is here, but over the next couple of weeks, I will preach to you on revival and how God can spark revival in our city and uh, provision and equipping spiritual gifts and then pray for sickness and uh, addictions to be broken. So that will be in the next couple. But what I'm saying here this morning is, beloved, one of the things I really asked God for, and you can go ahead and take that list off, I prayed for clarity. I said, God, I need clarity. Where are we going? What do I need to do? And uh, I want to preach to you on that. I want to preach a sermon I've called Pursuing Clarity. A few years, many years ago, in back, back in 1952, uh, there, was a, there was a lady by the name of Florence Chadwick. Uh, she waded into the waters of Catalina Island and she intended to be at that time the first woman to swim the 20 mile, 21 miles from the island to California coast. Long-distance swimming was not new to her. She had been the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. However, on that day when Florence Chadwick set out to swim this 21 miles, the water was numbing cold that day. The fog was so thick, she could hardly see the boats in her party. Several times, sharks had to be driven away with rifle fire. She swam more than 15 hours before she asked to be taken out of the water. She's swimming for 15 hours. Her trainer at that time tried to encourage her to swim on since they were so close to land. But when Florence looked, all she saw was fog. So she quit less than one mile from her goal. 
She swam 15 hours, 20 miles, one mile before she hit her goal, she gave up. And the reason, she says, two months after her failure, Florence Chadwick walked off the same beach into the same channel and swam the distance, setting a new speed record because she could now see the land. She was swimming previously, all she could see was fog. She wasn't able to see, she wasn't, there was no clarity. And so here we find she gave up because the fog blocked, hindered her clarity. Good decisions in life requires clarity. Bad decisions are made because of a lack in clarity. Now the Word of God is filled with, uh, 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 with, with numbers of stories of people who have desperately shown in the Word of God who needed clarity. And the good news we find in all of that is that God gives you and I clarity. 2021 has been a disruptive year with COVID. With the many different obstacles we've had to battle through. In many of the changes we've had to adapt and accept to live with, there's been like what, we've, what, what you will know as a smoke, smoke screen effect. In World War II, they used a smoke screen to somehow uh, uh, blur or blind the people who were battling in World War II from seeing the actual enemy. And this has served as a smoke screen effect that has robbed us from seeing beyond with clarity. For many, we've gone through that year, myself included, sitting down at times and wondering, what should I do, God? There's no clarity. You know, you want to have a revival, for example. You, you, you know, numbers is of concern. Do we do it? Do we not do it? Should we have a special event? Should we do it? Should we not do it? Should we gather? Should we do it? Should we not? There's always been a continual amount of inconsistency, uncertainty that has clearly hindered the ability for leaders to make decisions lacking some form of clarity. And these are seasons that many may have become conditioned to. We have become so used to it. Um, and, and to some degree, we've learned to adapt and accept. But to some degree, we're going through the rituals without clarity and clear-mindedness. And I want to preach this to you this morning from Genesis chapter 3. I want to talk to you from verses 1 through 7. Because I believe that in the face of adversity and perils, seasons that we go through, we can receive clarity and lucidity to make right and good decisions. You know, as we're seated here, many of us, if there's one thing we need, we need clarity. And I want to talk to you about this and I pray it helps you. I pray God meets with you and that God will help us all. This morning, Genesis 3, 1-7 Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed, uh, sorry, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. So here we find in our text that Satan's aim was to rob Eve of her clarity. He used what he used, and we will talk about that in a moment. Her conversation with the serpent 
robbed her of clarity. She entertained his questions, which essentially became a lingering thought. Satan threw questions at her. Did God indeed say? These questions became lingering thoughts, thoughts that stayed and stuck with her. She entertained it instead of refusing and saying, you know what, we're not going to talk about this and walk away from Satan or walk away from her. She gave herself, she allowed his words access into her mind, which essentially demanded a response from her. Because now the words have gone in, the thoughts are produced, and now she has to respond. But if she simply placed a wall and blocked those words, the need to respond would not have been there. But you see, the decision she made to listen, the decision she made to pay attention, the decision she made to say, you know what, this is something I should listen to, caused her to be robbed of clarity. Listen carefully to me. Eve had knowledge, but she was, she was trapped because she lacked clarity. Do you believe that? It's not that Eve was stupid. It's not that Eve didn't know that eating the fruit would get her in trouble. She knew. She in fact told the serpent that God said, all this tree I can eat except this one. She had knowledge. But no clarity. This is the interesting thing about our generation, isn't it? I got a text a few days ago. This, this triggered, all of this triggered from that server. Someone said, hey bro, Mauduweka. Lima plo ribu. I don't know lah, I don't know the calculation. But I was telling my wife, how many people have knowledge of the red paint that Alongs will throw at you, but they still take the money? You know why? In that moment of crisis, there's no clarity. It's not that they don't have the knowledge. They have the knowledge, but they don't have clarity. Are you with me? Eve had knowledge but no clarity. And this is the danger, beloved. If you're not careful, this is the danger that we're dealing with today, that her lack of clarity cannot be excused by her lack of knowledge. Knowledge she had, clarity she lacked. Her lack of clarity contributed to the fall in the garden. This is not true only for, for, of Eve, but it's also true for you and I. When clarity is absent, bad decisions are made. Satan often wants to influence you and I to make subconscious decisions dictated by feelings, emotions, and surroundings. This is how he does it. Listen to me carefully. Let me give you three things that happens when you have clarity. Number one, when you have clarity, it gives you direction. That's what I enjoyed so much this week. As I'm praying, God is giving me direction. God is giving me uh, uh, the, the, the purpose why I'm here and why God placed us here. God is giving me the understanding and the directive over the next several weeks and months. What are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to Strategically, there is a clarity that is becoming true. That you know what? We have to progress forward. We have to advance forward. And this is what matters. And this is what happens when a person has clarity they have direction if you're driving to KL without clarity it will be like this you would drive and you would continue to drive and you would continue to drive for the next three hours and don't reach KL because there's no clarity a person with clarity would say, I'm going here to there and I should reach there by this time. The road to lead myself there is this way. And when they have clarity, they have direction. When you have no clarity, you go around in circles in life. 
I thank God for you this morning that you're here. I thank God for those who are watching us online. I thank God because in essentially, let me say to you, the point matters, beloved, that when you have clarity, you have direction. Part of the direction is, I have to be faithful to church. Direction gets me. Why am I able to understand that? Because I have clarity. Direction. So clarity brings direction. Secondly, clarity brings hindsight. So we see in terms of direction, the Bible says that one tree you shall not eat off. So God was very specific concerning the direction that Adam and Eve were supposed to take. You can eat of all the tree except that one tree right there. Direction was given. Clarity is there. It gives you hindsight, as I said. God was protecting them from downfall. What was God saying? If you eat this fruit, you will die. How many know that we live in a generation today that makes short-term decisions without long-sighted review? Oh, I feel like this, so they just do this. I feel like doing it. They they don't think long-term. They don't see the effects of what my decision today will result 10 years down the road. They don't see that by me making this decision, how is it affecting my children? They don't see that by me, you know, doing what I'm doing could possibly affect me in becoming a bankrupt 20 years down the road. Are you with me? We see short term. There's no hindsight. Clarity gives you hindsight. Clarity helps you see, if I eat this fruit, I die. But when you have no clarity, what are we concerned about? Oh, so nice, so sweet. You're just concerned about the current, the present. But a person with clarity has hindsight. The third thing that a person develops or a person has when there's clarity is there are boundaries when there's clarity. Listen, when you have clarity, can I say to you, you know who to talk to and who not to talk to. When you have clarity, you know who to listen to and who not to listen to. Are you with me? This is, this is what we see in the Bible. What did Eve do? She listened to the serpent. And this guy continually just, you know, you know, oh, you, 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 this is what you need to do. This is what you have to, you, you eat of this fruit and, you know, we know the story, beloved. And we know that there are people who surround us that you need to be careful not to listen to. Because they will rob you. Clarity will be completely trumped when you listen to the wrong thing. So three things that clarity does. Clarity gives you direction. Clarity gives you hindsight and clarity creates boundaries. Who I talk to, who I listen to, what I watch, what I don't watch, what I listen on the radio and what I don't listen. You decide because you have clarity. When clarity is present, you know where you're going. You see beyond the present. You know the decisions that you must make to get there. So I ask you this morning then with that question, which areas of our lives do we need clarity? What areas of your life seems fuzzy right now? Seems blur? You're just going through the motions. You're just doing things, you know, blindsidedly. My wife and I came back from visiting our, uh, uh, my in-laws a few weeks ago and, and it was so blind, I mean, it was so, bl- uh, 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 I'm thinking of the right word to use, um, um, uh, mind-blowing that my wife's sister was sharing some things with us. She had made a purchase of a property somewhere uh, and she rented the property out. Being the person that she is, she had no clue about the dangers of not collecting deposits and so on and so forth. The person ransacked the place, destroyed the place, walked away and she wants to do the same thing again. There's no clarity. She recently bought a vehicle and the vehicle is it costed her so much more than what a person would pay for the year of the car that was manufactured. So my point is, why do people make that kind of foolish decisions? I've sat down with people, I've spoken, I said, don't buy the car. 
Don't do it. Don't get a guarantor. Don't step into that. It's nonsense. No, we have to. We, that's the only way we can do it. We have to borrow. We have to. And long story short, they mess themselves up. They have knowledge, but no clarity. Are you with me? And it blowed my mind away. She's a 40 year old woman. And we were just talking about it and saying, ah, how can you make so foolish decisions? Because at the, at the, at the, at the uh, uh, spur of the moment, feelings, emotions, kicks in. Robs you of clarity. Have you gone to a store, buy something on your credit card, later regret it? Spur of the moment. Oh. And then later you regret it. Why? Because at that moment, clarity was absent. Can I tell you, don't do things... Follow your emotions, your feelings and all that. Oh, you know, you have to follow this. Listen carefully, beloved. Clarity is the ability to have hindsight, direction, and the ability to set boundaries. If I buy this property, if I rent this property, if I buy this car, will I have the ability? I remember years ago, Pastor Campbell spoke to Pastor Mitchell, said, Pastor, we need a bigger building. We don't have a building big enough to house our conference and all that. Pastor Mitchell asked him a question, will you be able to still launch churches if you go into a bigger building? At that moment, at that moment, when finances were tight, he said, no, it'd probably be a struggle. He says, then don't do it. Because the heart is to, is to have direction, hindsight and boundaries when you have no clarity you have no direction you have no hindsight and you have no boundaries that's why decisions are made and you wonder how can they make so stupid decisions sorry for using that word but it's nonsensical decisions foolish decisions what happened to you I don't know. At the spur of the hour. Clarity. If you need anything in 2022, it is clarity. What should I buy? What should I invest in? Where should I put my money? Where should I work? And clarity. So anyway, I said that to lay the ground, the groundwork. Let's talk secondly then, because Satan wanted more than just Adam and Eve's. 22 minutes, don't worry. Time. <laughs> I, I got time, I got time See, Satan wanted more than just Adam and Eve's downfall in the garden Do you believe that? It wasn't just their downfall he wanted He wanted way more than that He wanted to alter the way they thought He wanted to alter the way they saw things He wanted to alter their perception He wanted to alter their perspective He wanted to rob them of their ability to think with clarity you know, optometrists, I wanted to text and uh, get confirmation from Mei Feng, but I know the time in, 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 in UK would be off, so I said she'll be sleeping, no point. But you have a chart that I read about when you, have, when you are an optometrist known as the Snellen, Snellen eye chart. That's the eye chart that everybody looks at when you go to an optometrician. optician. Right? So you sit down at that optician and you're looking at that chart. That chart is used to test your visual acuity. It consists of displaying letters progressively smaller in sizes. And the common Snellen chart has 11 lines of block letters. The first line consists of one large letter, which is like the letter E. Depending on the Slellen chart, the first letter can one of several letters include E, H and N. And as you move down that chart, each row not only gets smaller, but also increases in numbers of letters. Have you noticed that? So it goes smaller, 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 but more numbers of letters appear. So for a person who is pretty good in vision, they call it the 2020 vision. Why is it the 2020? Because you're 20 feet away and you can see clearly away from the chart. So you have the 2020 vision who a person with normal visual clarity is able to see. 
All measurements of vision are taken when the patient is located 20 feet from the eye chart and they see. But a person with 20-40 vision is a person who sits at the 20 feet distance and can only see letters double the size. Are, are you with me? So, a 20-20 person may be able to see the 8th row clearly. And you know that the person has 20-20 vision. But a person who has 20-40 vision would see from the 20 feet, but they must look at the 6th uh, row in order to be able to see. They cannot see the 8th row because it's blurred. So they call it 20-40. Then you have the 20-15, which I think I am. Bionic. That means, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but the point is 2020, 2040, 2080, and the worst is 2200. So 2200, that means if you're sitting at 20 layers or 20 uh, feet off the chart, you can only see letters that are blown 10 times of the 2020 vision person who sees. So it has to be so big. So that's why stop signs are the size it is because even when you're virtually blind you can still see that technically at 20 20 200 so what, what what's my reason for sharing that because the reality is beloved how many know that we need to have 2020 vision in the decisions we make in life we need clarity you cannot make some life altering decisions in life and miss the reality that there are consequences that can be damaging to those decisions. So we see Satan affecting her vision. She had clarity. The Bible says when he spoke to her at first, what did Eve say? No, God said all the three. Okay. So she had 20-20 vision when she was still conversing with him. By the time Satan was through with her, she was at 2200. She fell. She could no longer see this is a trap. She could no longer see this is a deception. She could no longer see this is a lie. She couldn't see anymore because she was so blinded. Her clarity was so fogged up. It blurred her ability to see. And I'm saying to you, beloved, that is the work of Satan. When clarity is hindered, the Bible says people perish. Just bear with me for a few moments as I bring this down. Children suffer because parents have no clarity. Marriages suffer because couples, husband, wife have no clarity. People struggle. They, you know, I, I have family members that I've seen in the past who lead lives that are in, in, in drunkenness and no doubt what happens down the road, their children are neglected. Their family is neglected. Money goes to booze and money goes to all of those things that eventually, beloved, you wonder to yourself, can't you see what you're doing to your family? They can't because they have no clarity. Are you with me? Don't see the damage they're doing because there's no clarity. Churches suffer because pastors have no clarity. Where are we going? Why are we here? What is the purpose? Proverbs 29, 18, When there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no revelation, the word revelation can be replaced with the word vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. People perish when there's no clarity. The garden, beloved, is evidence of how clarity can be extremely imperative. We see clarity being attacked and assaulted in the garden. The enemy knows that he can influence your effectiveness by simply attacking your state of mind. So how does he do this? Let's talk about this as we bring this down. Scripture reveals to us this is what he did with Eve. He used doubt to birth unbelief. How does he rob you of clarity? He uses doubt to spur unbelief. So doubt is the, the content that we find in this passage in verses 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And what did, he, what did he come to Eve and say? Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He used doubt. He said, no, 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 I don't think that's what he meant. Let's Paraphrase it. Let's 
re-illustrate uh, 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 it. Let's re, uh, uh, think about it differently. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of interpretation. Eve, you're mistaken. That's not what God meant. So she's trying to play with her mind. Bring doubt. And when doubt is present, clarity is absent. Can I say that again? When doubt is present, clarity is absent. Doubt is the uncertainty of the mind. The enemy just needs to plant a seed. We entertain that doubt and we lose clarity. The moment there's doubt, the Word of God becomes questionable. Does God really care for me? Does God really mean what He says? Is God really going to provide for me? Maybe I should take matters into my own hands. Maybe I should take charge of my own future. Maybe I should stop trusting God so much. And doubt begins to set in. When God becomes questionable, trust is absent. Doubt is the, is the absence of trust. When a person doubts, when a person questions, when a person begins to wonder, you know, does God really keep His word? And I understand questions is not something we are threatened by. We should have questions. But I declare to you, when trust is absent, when the doubt gives in to distrust, then unbelief sets in. And when unbelief sets in, it leads us to bad decisions that alter our destiny with God. I want you to listen carefully to me here. That is why we make bad, horrible decisions. Because doubt sets in. Now we begin a question. Does God really love me? Does God really care? Did He really mean that? Did, is that what God really, really meant by what He said? And we start questioning. And that doubt, beloved, robs you of clarity. A man whom I had conversation years ago, I remember, walked away from the faith. And he found a, 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 a woman who was not of the same faith. And he decided to pursue that relationship. He decided, you know what, uh, I, I, don't want this, I don't want to follow Christ anymore. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Pastor, I want to... And, and you know me, beloved. I, for one, am a person who respects people's decision. But I will tell you what I think. And so I said, bro, you know what? Let me explain to you. No one forced you to come to church. No one pushed you to be in that in church. No one forced you to get involved. And I will never do that. I respect your privacy. But at the same time, I want you to sit down and think with me about these things. And I began to list down. I said, listen, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You speak in tongues. You have seen the power of God when you're working. You've seen God show up. I said, you have seen miracles with your, with, with your relationship with other people. You have testified to me that God has moved. God has done miracles. You have testified to me that God has met with you. You Testified when you're sleeping at night, there's God meeting with you and so on and so forth. And these encounters that you had with God, are you telling me that God is not real? But why did he make such a decision? Walked away from the faith eventually. But why? Because there was no clarity. If only he could call to remembrance... He began to give in to doubt. He allowed the enemy to play with us. I don't think Jesus is the only way, he said. I don't think that, that Jesus is what I should, you know, begin to follow. And, and he began to question the word of God. He began to question and doubt began to, 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 to rise up. But all of these were signs that he gave in to doubt which birthed unbelief which eventually robbed him of clarity. Now he's not seeing clearly. Are you with me? You know, sometimes when you walk into a store, and, and I'll talk about that in a later while, but the salesperson or the sales rep pushes you for decisions because they know if they can make you decide without thinking, they got you. And some people, that's what they do. Scams online, this is exactly what they do, right? Do it now! Do it now! Now, now, now! Once in a lifetime opportunity. Once. Never to come back. Like, bro, it's the 20th time I heard that, man. But they want to threaten you or else you'll miss out. Why they do that? So you make a decision without thinking. No clarity. And then you go back after that and you're like, oh, why did I do that? 
So doubt, you start asking, God, do you really care? The enemy is extremely successful in bringing doubt. During this pandemic, does God really provide? Is God going to take care of us? You know what doubt does? Doubt calls into question what God has already promised. Can I say that again? Doubt calls into question what God has already promised. God said, I'm going to take care of you, but you question that. God says, I will provide for you, but you question that. Doubt calls into question what God has already promised. How many know God is not a schizophrenic? He don't say one thing now and change his mind tomorrow. What he says, he means and he keeps. And this is the God we serve, a God who keeps his promise. And so here's the, here's the challenge, beloved. When we allow doubt into our minds, we allow the absence or the lack of clarity. So secondly, what did Satan do? He used deception to bring confusion. He used deception to bring confusion. Look at this, Genesis 3, 4. What did he say? Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. He contradicted, God, he contradicted God's word and deceived her from the truth. He blinded her from truth by distracting her from truth. He, can you think about that statement I just made? He blinded her from the truth by distracting her from the truth. How does He blind us? He distracts us. He takes our attention away from what really matters and distracts us. Listen to what the Satan does here. He was lying to her, but he made it seem like God was lying. Do you see that? He was lying. He was, the, he was the, the, you know, the scammer right here. But you know what he did? He made it seem like God was lying to her. She said, you will not die. Who is he to tell you that? What rubbish is that? And so here's Eve. She's battling this in her mind. She's confused right now. And I say to you, confusion will always lead to defeat. Do not make decisions when you're confused. I don't know what to do. I really am confused right now. Don't make decisions. Just wait. Just wait. And I'll give you some keys at the end of the sermon on what you should do to get clarity. But just wait. Don't make decisions rashly. Because confusion, decisions made in confusion will only lead to chaos and defeat. 1 Corinthians 14.33, beloved. The Bible says, God is not the author of confusion. Don't you thank God for that? When God is present, God is not the author of confusion. God never creates confusion. He never confuses you and I. But He is the author of peace as in all the churches of the saints. In the decisions of marriage, Job, ministry, career, education, children. Can I say, beloved, God intends we have peace. It is God's desire that we have peace. But confusion is the result of lacking clarity. When a person is completely, you know, blurred or they are lacking clarity in the decisions they make. And there are seasons. Don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching this because, you know what, we don't have seasons. I have seasons. I don't know what to do. Are you with me? And I just sit down and I keep quiet until I really know what to do. You know, I mean, there are times you just don't have the clarity of mind to know what to do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God wanting to give us clarity. And we can be recipients of that clarity. But confusion is not from God. Why am I so confused? Why? I, I don't know what to do. What should I do? How should I do it? And I challenge you. Uh, if you could please scan. Uh, the, uh, yeah, thank you. Never make life-altering decisions when you are in confusion. Can I, can I give that to you? Never make life-altering decisions 
when you are in confusion. Don't. Don't. Wait. Peter who said, I'm going back fishing. Do you remember? In John 21. I preached on that a few weeks ago. I'm going back fishing. And the truth is, why did he say that? Because to some degree, in that context, beloved, in some degree, he was disappointed when Jesus died. Jesus left them in ministry. No longer was Jesus around. This was their bread and butter. This was their earning. This was what they were supposed to be getting. But yet, I declare to you, beloved, in that moment, what did Jesus call them out of? Stop being fishermen. I am going to make you fishers of men. Do you remember? This was the clarion call. This was the destiny that God had for these fishermen. And yet, the moment Jesus died, they went back to what Jesus called them out of. What happened? Why did they go back? Why did they retreat? Why did they go to what Jesus said you should not go back to? Because, very simply, disappointments in life always blocks clarity. When you're disappointed in life, when things are not going the way you want it, when you're the, you, you, can, you, you begin to lose sight of what God said, His promises, And it hinders clarity. I'm going to bring this down. Trying to. People who fall into deception. People who listen to advice. Doubt. Why do you want to tithe? Why do you want to give? Why do you want to pray? Why do you want to go to church so much? And they begin to cast doubt on these people. And what happens? They fall trapped. Now there's no clarity. They think they are right when they are so wrong. There's confusion. There's chaos. There's no peace. The third thing the enemy did to Eve was he used emotions to demand a subconscious decision. Can I say that again? He tapped into her emotions to demand a subconscious decision. This is what this world is fantastic at doing. In Genesis 3, 5, for God knows. You see, he's pressing her button. I want you to see the urgency he's applying here. He's pressing a button. He says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good. God knows, God knows. And if God knows then there must be a reason why God said no. And he's pressing about, he doesn't want her to engage in thinking. He doesn't want her to engage in clarion thinking. He just wants to push him. Do it, do it, do it, Eve, do it. This is why you need to have it. You need to eat the fruit. Because right now, now, once in a lifetime, you'll be better than God. And Eve was trapped in her own emotions. Because how many know the enemy never plays fair? His aim was to take clarity away from her. And he targeted her, he attacked her when she was weakest. When did most of these scams come to surface? During COVID-19. Where were they all before that? What happened? Why, why suddenly everybody got some idea? You know, what happened? Why? Because people were sitting at home. They were playing the stock market. They had nothing to do. And so they said, let's aim at these people. You want to know who went into the flood prone, the flood areas, who went in? One of the very first ones, not the politician, no, Alongs. <laughs> why? Because when you're emotionally distraught, they can trap your emotions into believing we are here to help you. They get you when you're at your weakest. That's what Satan does. Beloved, I'm telling you, this is the reality. Emotions are the devil's greatest strategy. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to tick you off. He knows what triggers you. You want to know from, from the Word of God, Matthew chapter 4, 9 to 10. Look at what he's doing with Jesus. 
He says, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Are you with me? Satan came to tempt Jesus at his weakest. After he had fasted for 40 days, he's weak. Jesus is at his weakest and Satan shows up. And he's trying to push Jesus to make this decision without thinking, oh, what I've done and all that God has promised me, he is going to attack. The story of Abraham and Lot is the same. When Abraham was standing with Lot, they were seeing Sodom and Gomorrah. One was seeing the land of Canaan. And what the Bible says to us that Lot turned around to Abraham turned around to Lot and he said, you know what, Lot, you have first pick your choice. You decide which land do you want, left or right. You choose. Lord obviously picked the land that seemed good on the outside, beautiful, even, paradise. He selected that. Lord was in a hurry, but Abraham trusted God patiently. And when Abraham waited, he didn't make an abrupt decision. He didn't make an emotional decision. He said, you pick first. Whatever God has for me, it will come to me no matter what. How many believe that? If God wants to bless me, it will come. If God wants to give me, He will give me. I will work, I will do what I need, but God knows when to bless me. And Abraham said, you have first choice. Which was a picture of a man who said, you know what? I trust God patiently. People that we have encountered through the years, no wait and see, jump into decisions. Whatever fad comes up, whatever latest thing comes up, they buy into it without looking at facts, data, information. They pursue it. They make rash decisions. There's no clarity. Emotions is a tricky thing. Pastor Campbell, years ago when he was in the Philippines, you know the story, he lost his daughter to, she was climbing up, and uh, that one, of the, one of the heels and she tripped, she fell, she died, stepped into eternity. He was preaching in the Philippines and he told, he told the story so many times. No, 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 no mobile phones that time, nothing. And so uh, Pastor, Pastor Mitchell at that time chartered a flight to go in as quick as he could to go to Pastor Campbell, let him know that, you know what, your daughter had just passed away. Uh, she's no more. And so Pastor Campbell gets on the plane, he's going to go back. And on his trip back, this was years ago in the 1990s he's flying back and he tells the story that the devil is beginning to play with his mind see this is what you get for serving God this is what you get for being faithful this is what you get for giving your life to Christ this is what you get for surrendering this is what you get for the will of God look at what God God doesn't care about you and in that moment of emotional chaos, he, sa he, said, he said, my mind was shattered. He said it was in that moment. He spoke words. He says, you know what, God, no matter what happens, I will live for you and I will serve you. And the moment he made that statement, shoo, that torment left. Because the devil loves to play with emotions. Mark chapter 8, 22 to 26. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hand on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men walking like trees. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor and tell anyone in the town. He saw everyone. Chen uh, Kuang verses 25. He saw everyone clearly. Clarity comes from God. I don't have time. I, I didn't expect this sermon to be so long. <laughs> 48 minutes. But I, I, I will leave you with very short thoughts here. What I realize brings clarity is truth. You need to know truth. Stop 
lying to yourself, everything's okay, everything's okay, everything. You need to face truth. I, I, I try to teach that to my children every What's wrong? Nothing? No, it's not nothing. Learn to talk about it. And, and again, you know, saying that, I say that very carefully because I'm talking about the family unit between my kids and myself. So I, I want my kids to be open with me. I want my kids to be open with my wife. I want my kids to be able to say, you know what, Daddy, I'm not feeling well. I'm struggling here. I'm not well. You know, I want them to know that they can speak to me. And we can deal with things. And I realize, beloved, if you want to ever, ever have clarity of mind, you need truth. You need to face the reality of what is exactly it. If you're blind, you're blind. You need to say, I'm blind. I made some stupid, foolish decisions in my life and I need to get it right. I need to repent of the decisions I made. I've messed my life up. You have to face truth. Number two, you need godly counsel. The, most, the, the, the people who generally never seem to find themselves having clear-mindedness is people who think that they can help themselves. I know what I'm doing. And sometimes it's amazing when you talk to people, you realize that, oh no, I, sh I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have put my money there. I wouldn't have invested in that. I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have behaved like that. I wouldn't have... Because at the moment, in that spur of the moment, they think they got it right when actually it's wrong. Counsel is important. Wisdom is important, beloved. The struggle with clarity can be inherited curses. Your mother, your father made bad decisions and now it's you. Your mother, your father had no money and now it's you. Your mother, your father couldn't have keep a job and now it's you. I'm not speaking evil of it, but it's inherited. Do you get it? It's inherited. It's addiction. They were all a bunch of maybe, you know, uh, 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 addicted gamblers and now you have become a gambler. It's inherited. So this inheritance robs you of clarity. Now you don't see what you're doing is wrong in your mind. I'm good. Why does everybody make a fuss over what I'm doing? There's no clarity. I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to touch you this morning. Because the Bible says when Jesus laid hands on that man, I'm not going to spit on you, don't worry. He spat and he... Okay? But when Jesus did that, the Bible says his eyes opened and he saw men walking like trees. Can I tell you this year, God wants to give you clarity. Where am I going to invest? Where am I going to park my finance? What am I going to do in my job? What am I going to do in my children? What am I going to do in my marriage? What am I going to do in ministry? What am I? God's going to give you clarity. You need it. I need it. Don't think you can do it without God. You need a touch from God this morning that will bring clarity so you can see things that naturally you cannot see. Bow your heads with me.